You're listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 13. On today's show, we discuss chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, as well as the article entitled The Night Bus on Pottermore. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. And today we are starting The Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, book three. So, let's get into it. Um, We start on a familiar note. Harry's Mm -hmm. birthday. I think the first three... Does it go beyond this where the opening is kind of very similar? You know, we're at the Dursleys and now we, we kind of get the rundown again Mm -hmm. it's his birthday we're sad we miss hogwarts yada yada yeah because we're here we're also getting the rehash again of oh there's a magic school and i'm harry potter and i'm very important Mm -hmm. it's and again is it necessary or is it just like we need the warm-up the reminder you know i i have no evidence for this but i maintain that it's like an editor thing like, oh, this is a children's book. This is a series for children. You need to recap. Even though by book three, she's huge. Yeah. And anyone who's reading the book has read the first two. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it. I think I minded it more in the second one. Maybe it was more thorough. But it's not exactly new information for us. No. But yeah, it's it's. I would agree that the second book dragged on a little bit longer. A little bit more mm-hmm. to the point here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do love the little scene where at at the end of the second book, as if you'll recall, Harry explained the telephone to Ron. Yes. (laughs) And then Ron tried to call. Yes. He maybe wasn't listening so closely when he tried, when he was explaining the telephone. Where did he get a telephone? That's a good question. Well, they... I mean... Arthur collects things, but he would need a telephone landline. They probably still had, um, I can't even think what they're called, phone booths then, right? (laughs) So he walked to the phone booth to call him? Yes. First he walked to the Ministry of Magic phone booth and was like, oh, right, this isn't a real one. And then he found a real one. You know Ron doesn't live in London, right? I guess that's true. He lives in the country. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Again, wouldn't it be funny if this book was written now? What would this episode look like now? They would be texting each other all the time. That sounds lame. Snapchats. I know it is. I'm really glad it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think if we ever have children and we read them and they read this, they'll be extremely confused? Okay, but it's enough otherworldly that you don't, hopefully you don't really notice it. I mean, we are because we're we're talking about it and we're thinking about it. But if you're, I don't know, if you're just reading it through and enjoying it, I hope, I think it's like, oh, you know, who cares? Because we're off in magic land. Yeah. Yeah, I'd... But it, it would be bad. Like, I think she would just have to do a lot more explaining. Yes, she would have to justify their lack of technical no- or muggle knowledge, I feel like, a lot more. Yeah, even because the, the age where um, children are being introduced and are adaptive and are in sync with technology is now so much, you know, it was like very just you know at the early stages when it was written but now like it would be expected even by age 11 you would know all these things and do all these things and have all of these things yeah you'd have to write this whole thing about all the muggle-borns going to hogwarts (laughs) like why won't my cell phone work and then you realize you can do magic and you're okay okay yeah and if you're not okay with that they kick you out yeah Yes, but Ron was shouting at him, and Vernon answered, and it's just cute. I also was trying to, like, imagine, okay, what if, so what if Harry answered the phone? Well, and Ron would still be yelling for a minute, which is cute. But then, like, what are they talking about? Like, 
oh, hey, how's your summer going? <laughs> yeah, you know, adolescent boys, I feel like, don't have a lot of telephone conversations. No, which was why I was really sad when he was like, he wished Hermione had called for it first because she, she won knows how to use a telephone <laughs> and has one in her house. Yes. And, you know, she might be a little bit better at it overall. Yes. She could carry the conversation. Yes. So it's Harry's birthday and he's, you know, feeling sad for himself at night as he does on his birthday. <laughs> it's a little self-involved. <laughs> yeah, well. And what arrives but three owls... Earl, Hedwig, and a Hogwarts owl. I was, I was very, starting at this point, and it continues, I don't know, I was very struck by how smart owls are. <laughs> like, how did, so Earl, right, is basically can't carry this package, and somehow Hedwig has come and carried him the rest of the way, and they always know where to find someone like, how are owls so smart? I don't know. They have, like, spidey senses or something. Wise owls. But, man, they really, like, they're on They're on. I it. guess that's true. Wise owls is a thing. Huh. Yeah, but still, these are really... And they have to be able to communicate. Like, the owls communicate with each other. Like, they send out beacons to each <laughs> other. And Hedwig knows Harry's birthday. She went to go get a present from Hermione. Oh, yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> It's got like an owl calendar. And no, in there. he keeps this incredibly intelligent creature in a cage. Though, <laughs> <laughs> so, Hedwig also bites him to show affection, which is a little weird. It shouldn't have hands. What's she gonna do? <laughs> Nuzzle. Okay. Nuzzling his mother. <laughs> um. So, uh, all the three owls arrive, and Earl has a letter from Ron. Mm-hmm. His summer's going much better than Harry's. I also kind of forget about this, but it's sort of a big deal. Like, their family won a bunch of money. Yeah, they won the lottery. <laughs> the wizard lottery. Yeah. yeah. And then they all got to go to Egypt to visit Bill. And now I'm fascinated by foreign wizard travel. Yes. <laughs> it seems like an appropriate place for wizards to travel. Yeah, because now uh, Mystery of the Pyramids solved. <laughs> Wait. Are you just extrapolating? The yes. wizards built... Okay. I was like, wait, did you say that, did it? No. But if they were saying that, you know, in the tombs and things, all this stuff was going oh, on. Oh, I guess that does make sense. Right? It's all creepy. They got, like, mummies with two heads and... Yeah. So I want to know, like, where... Like, there's special wizard tour guides. Oh, I bet there is. Okay, but then you have to go in not with the other, with the muggles. Like, no. how does that work? Yeah, you got your own, it's your own thing. I bet, like, what would other popular vacation destinations be for wizards? You go to Salem and you do, like, a weird yeah. history tour of Salem witch trials. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hermione says even she, when she was in France, she was learning things there about the magical community. Oh, that's right. But that's just something Hermione would do. <laughs> okay. Other people in France do normal things. Oh, yes. I don't know. We'll have to... Maybe when we talk about... We keep saying we're going to talk about all the other wizarding schools. Maybe they would have other pockets of history as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I like that the Weasleys use the money to go on vacation and visit Bill. You know? They're not, like, saving it for anything. No! They're just having a good time with their family. They're, they've been poor. They know how to be poor. They're not worried. <laughs> okay. Molly Molly is like a homemaker. Yes. Right? Okay. Although, really, what is she doing except during the summer now that all of her children <laughs> go to school? Well, let's just defend all mothers well, out there. No, it's not. No, it's not just that her children are in school. They're at boarding school. They're not even there. <laughs> That's true. And she's a witch. And she's a witch. <laughs> she can clean her house in five minutes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. She's got all that little trinkets and chickens and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Oh, so they won the lottery, go to Egypt, and also Scabbers is in the picture that Ron sends him. Which will become important. Though how... I don't remember how 
he recognized him from the picture. Is it that? Like, how different do rats look? Well, presumably the rat on your friend is your friend's rat. Not a random rat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but way down the line, Sirius sees that picture and that's how he knows Peter is alive. How does... Oh, because he's missing a finger. Okay, I don't know how you see that on a picture. Right, a a rat missing a rat claw. (laughs) But that's, that's... how it's explained i believe okay they do a csi like magnify or something and he sees he's missing would you take your pet rat on vacation well who's gonna take care of it it can fit in your pocket sure why not people take their dogs (laughs) (laughs) it's not a dog (laughs) no it's an evil man (laughs) in your pocket yes Oh, but Ron is getting a new wand, which I feel... I remember reading this as a child and being so relieved that he was going to get a new wand. Because how was he ever going to succeed in life with that broken wand? Do you think this happens often? That people break their wands? Like, I, chil- these are children. Like, aren't they just dropping them? Aren't they sword fighting with them? <laughs> you can do spells. You're not sword fighting. Not when you first get it. You're probably just whacking each other with it. <laughs> yeah, are they... Are they not all woods are strong? Maybe there's like unbreakable spells on them. That would be a good idea. But there really needs to be is a spell like a, you know, those things where you can do on your phone to find your remote or something like that. Find my wife. Yes, I bet you lose it all the time. Okay, that is technology. That's a lot of magic in this. It would interfere. (laughs) You could use a spell. How would you? You're not going to lose your wand. Are you kidding me? It's some if you take it everywhere, you're bound to leave it somewhere. No, it's in your magical, awesome robe pocket. You told me I I brought up my my sleeve idea, and you said that was nonsense. <laughs> that is nonsense. <laughs> you're not gonna whip it out of your sleeve like Spider Man. Yes, you are, and I'm thinking of it more like 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 claws or something, just whipping <laughs> retractable. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> But Ron does remember it's his birthday, and he gives him a sneakoscope. What does that? Oh, tells us if there's something untr- danger, untrustworthy, untrustworthy. Yes, which I always thought was akin to the remember all. Yeah, and he tells him that Percy's head boy, of course. What a snob! <laughs> and I noticed it was mentioned several times, and I was like, "Wait, is this a? Im- will this be important?" To the plot later on, I can't recall it being important, but it just seemed to be that, mentioned quite a few times. That he's head boy? Yes. No, it's just because Percy's annoying and into himself. Okay. <laughs> and we, I mean, we get the most of that in this book, maybe. I don't... He's just annoying, mostly. Yeah. And, okay. I also noticed that this Ron signs his letter, Don't Let the Muggles Get You Down. <laughs> this is just a personal side. My in-laws got me a mug that says don't let the muggles get you down on Christmas. And uh, I just thought it was like a a funny, funny thing to say. I didn't realize it was actually a line from the book. Don't let the muggles get you down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is a good one. I like how his Ron's signature and Hermione's signature are like, you know, it's in the books, they actually do it like a scrawl, mm-hmm. and Ron's looks like a teenage boy, and Hermione's is all precise. Mm-hmm. So, Hermione also remembers his birthday and gets him a broom servicing kit. Mm-hmm. Very thoughtful. Yeah, it's a pretty good gift from her. Mm-hmm. And but she gets it from a cat. What did she do? She ordered it? Yes, from the owl order catalog. <laughs> That's convenient. It is. Uh, Presumably a limit on how big of things you can order from an owl order catalog, but... I don't know. I think you get multiple owls together. (laughs) They go wild. Maybe they're like the Amazon of the wizarding world. You know, they got the whole system, a warehouse. (laughs) Actually, I imagine it more like crappy QVC. Crappy QVC. (laughs) Like all that junk you didn't want. Oh. Uh, and then Hagrid has a gift 
the Monster mm-hmm. Book of Monsters. Has Hagrid gotten him something every birthday? Yeah, I think so. Right? He gives him the cake the first yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, crap. What about the second year? <laughs> I just heard this. Um, where was he? He was at home. I mean, he gives him the book. His no, That's in the first book, too, the picture book. <sighs> at the end. Well, Dobby stops his mail, though. Yeah. Hagrid gives gifts, though. Yes, we, he's so thoughtful. Yeah. So, yeah, when I read that, I'm like, oh, right. Hagrid teaching is this book. Yeah, because it wasn't... We, I guess they didn't go to Care of Magical Creatures before. It's in the new, in your third year, you sign up for the extra. Yeah, class. yep. And then, so with our Hogwarts letter also comes the Hogsmeade permission slip. Yeah. Which has to be signed by your parent or guardian. Harry wisely realizes this is going to be a problem. (laughs) Yeah, the Dursleys don't really approve of fun for him. No, no fun for anyone. But then I like the the line that the chapter ends on. says, Harry Potter felt like anyone else, glad for the first time in his life that it was his birthday. Aw. Yeah, it's cute. Basically, he just wanted some attention. (laughs) Yeah. People are gonna think we hate Harry. I love Harry. Uh, we love Harry, but as a kid, I probably didn't like him as much. His his whining annoyed me more as a child. I don't think I noticed it until the fifth book as a kid. I think I noticed it, but I think now to me, it mostly reads as completely normal whining. Oh, first of all, everyone whines and feels sorry for themselves. And secondly, I think she captures the adolescent whine fairly well. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, it it makes sense. He's he's lived this outsider life in a lot of ways. Yada, yada. Nobody loves me. And now he's, like, trying to, you know, finally finding his place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, don't worry. We'll get way more Harry Potter angst to come. Okay. <laughs> so chapter two is Aunt Marge's big mistake. Yeah, though we start... With this side note about the crazy man escaping from prison. Yes. Black is on television. Though we don't know who he is yet. No. And I suppose I'll give my kid self a pass. But if you were a savvy reader, you would realize that, oh, this is going to be important. This random thing on the the television that they're taking time to talk about. (laughs) Well... Yeah, but... But as an adult reading it the first time, I probably wouldn't catch it. Because I'm perpetually surprised in books. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the nicer way to be, though. Like, it, you, you couldn't enjoy it more. I suppose. Though, Vernon is kind of annoyed because they didn't say, like, what the deal was. Why he's crazy, what he did, where he's coming from. Yeah. He's one of those people that enjoys being outraged about things. <laughs> enjoy that a little bit i i get that you enjoy being outraged <laughs> well if there's reason good reason to be outraged <laughs> he just likes finding people appalling because that makes him feel good well yes and but you know he's like a perfect peach compared to his sister yeah she's a little nutty yeah she's not just mean you're right she is crazy okay and am i maybe it's different in the movie portrayal and that's what's confusing me but so she breeds bulldogs but in my head it was tiny dogs like tiny yappy dogs maybe you just think that fits with her personality yeah (laughs) which is why the scene when, like, last time she came to visit and Harry got stuck up the tree, I always imagine it to a tiny yuppie dog. <laughs> That'd be good. Yes. But, but, I think, so Harry has to pretend, of course, like, he can't be magic to her. Um, the schools they come up with for him <laughs> are kind of ridiculous. Like, is that a real place? St. Brutus's secure center for incurably criminal boys? <laughs> you know, like, is March? Why would she believe that? 
I think as a kid, I thought that was a real place. Just like I, yeah. just like I was convinced that on British boarding schools, you got to hit each other with sticks. <laughs> well, I know this is the whole atmosphere that's set up for you. There's all these crazy schools. You go off, you get beaten with sticks. And like <laughs> there's all of these terrible places. Harry could be going instead. <laughs> yes, uh, but he very smartly sees an opportunity. He tells Vernon, well, it will be very difficult to remember all these things he's supposed to remember about himself. But it might be easier to remember where he really went to school if Vernon signed his permission slip. Yeah, that was kind of kind of conniving of him. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he can be conniving when he, he gets a brilliant stroke of genius. It's his Slytherin coming out. That's right. Yes. So Vernon, but Vernon agrees. Because he's terrified. Yeah. And I don't quite get Marge's attitude either. Like, why is she just automatically hates him because he's burdensome? I don't know if it's because he's burdensome. She just likes to say that to him. I mean, he's basically Vernon, right? She's Vernon on steroids. So that's reason enough to hate Harry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's... I mean, he's not living with her, though. No. But, I, okay, I'm sure she's well aware that Vernon's not super pleased. This isn't like, oh, we lovingly took in our beloved nephew. Therefore, I'm sure she's more than happy to jump on the hate train. Yeah, what did she say, like... Oh, if you had shown up at my door, I would have kicked you out or something. Yeah. Since you did orphanage. orphanage. Man. Oh. Harry probably would have been better off in an orphanage, really, but... Well, he said he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and she goes on and on about basically that he has bad blood. Yeah, which I thought was kind of an interesting comparison. You know, we just, coming off of book two, did all this bad blood... In the wizarding world, mm. right? Mudbloods and purebloods. And now here she is saying it to Harry from a from a different perspective. The, the muggle point of view. Yeah, but not even... So like, she doesn't have the awareness of his, ma- you know, his true magical self. It's just a, beca- in part because of the secrecy. You know, it's just like, oh, you and your family were these ruffians lazy no good whoever and so therefore as not being us as not being normal as not being boring like (laughs) you're you have this bad blood though he's technically half no three quarters blood what is he his magic blood yeah yeah, I guess you'd be, I don't, I guess you'd be three quarters. But, um. I guess, yeah. But I'm sure the, the use, the terminology of bad blood is completely intentional, right? Because she's talk, she's talking, she's saying, oh, look at, this is the sort of othering and discrimination we do in the magical world. And it's the same thing as this other othering and discrimination that we do in the real world. And I think her insistence on like, no, your father didn't have a job and they were layabouts and things like that. I think is echoing a lot of things that people like to say about people they don't like. Right. Yeah. It's not even true. She just says it. So you think she's making a subtle, but strong social commentary? Oh, I would bet anything on it. Oh, for, and first of all, remember where she came from too. When she wrote the first book, she was a single mother on welfare. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I never really thought about that. I'm I'm absolutely sure that all of the things that come out of Marge's mouth are 100% intentional. Hmm. To just, to just, like, channel all of that, like, nonsensical hatred. Yeah. Yep. And, God, and I was thinking, man, she's really good at writing women we hate. 
Like she's like like a, like an umbrage light or something. It's like oh, <laughs> and Bellatrix and like I've like yeah, there's Voldemort, but he's right. an evil like we've seen before. Yeah, he's the big bad. I know what a big bad is, but all yeah. of her like a f- small smaller female villains are just repulsive. <laughs> huh. But they, I mean, Marge obviously doesn't have a huge, a huge role. No, but I always remember her. And Harry tries to hold his temper. Do you think Harry's response, like his anger, is justified? She says awful things. Not just about him, but about his family. Is it terrible to say he didn't know his family? (laughs) I mean... I kind of get where you're coming from. It's like he only has a theoretical emotional... He has an emotional attachment to not having them. But he doesn't have an emotional attachment to actually the yeah. people themselves. But it also has to be infuriating to know what really happened and who you really are. Mm-hmm. And to have to listen to that, that has to make you ten times matter. Yeah, it's he basically says it's the angriest he's ever been in his life. Yeah. And so, what do you do? You make your aunt inflate. (laughs) Okay, and this is the other question. Is this intentional on Harry's part? You mean, like, does he do a spell that says, make my aunt real fat and float? Well, sort of maybe slightly more nuanced like is he just angry and this is the visceral repercussion of that or is it like oh my gosh marge i hate you and you're evil and i wish terrible things were would happen to you oh crap you're blowing up i mean i i kind of always saw saw as the same thing that would happen to him when he was a kid the sort of like appearing on top of the the school building because he was in trouble or, you know, growing his hair out because he looks stupid. Like, just a... So it's something he wants. Something he wants, but he doesn't consciously do. He loses emotional control. That must be really hard. Like, that... Why doesn't that happen more often, then? To anyone? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe you just say that, well, it happens to young wizards or something like that. But you probably get used to it, right? Controlling it. I don't know. But that also seems like an easy excuse. Like for kids, like, oh, I just got away (laughs) from me. Like, what? (laughs) I was just feeling so much. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know that it's entirely clear. And he certainly acts extremely guilty. Oh, yeah. As if he pointed his wand at her and, you know. But he knows it's from him. Yes. Yeah. It's it's not very clear. No. But, you know, it's the heat of the moment. His aunt's floating on the ceiling. <laughs> so he gets his crap and runs away. Which was really... Was that the best move? <laughs> I mean, he like, he's portrayed in this as, like... Just being so distraught and just kind and just wild, and he has no plan, and he's playing his life as an outlaw and all of this. But I don't know. Part of me wants to say like, Harry, get it together. <laughs> also, did you pack any socks? Like, <laughs> he he gets his school books, but presumably he's been wearing clothes that are in his drawer, and I was very concerned that he didn't bring any of his clothes. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think Harry, not long after that, this wonders if this was a good idea, too. But I think she justifies it in, like, talking about at least what his reasoning is. Like, this is his frame of mind. Sure, is it the best plan? No. But but he <laughs> he thinks this is the plan he needs to follow. He doesn't have a lot of forethought. No. <laughs> well, maybe his forethought is based upon incorrect assumptions. It is extends about two seconds in front of him. Yeah. Well, he's very worried. 
he's convinced he's going to be expelled. Yes. Which, which is a reasonable given last year. It's it depends what you mean. Like okay. considering like the letter that he got for the pudding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would feel like I'm going to be expelled if I got a letter for a house elf levitating a pudding. You know, oh no, I've blown up my That is kind of serious. You you made a muggle inflate. That's that's pretty serious. As I always this is kind of an aside, but I always um, compare this scene when I first read it and even now to the scene in Willy Wonka. Oh. That blue, what, she eats blueberry something yes. and this giant, that's the image in my mind. That's, that's good. I like that. Okay, so, but his past contact with, you know, underage magic and the repercussions seems like, yeah, it's maybe serious. Maybe he should be worried about being expelled. But the other half of me wants to go... You know who you are, right? You know this book is about you. <laughs> and you know that you saved the entire school twice. Dumbledore, like, cries tears of joy when he sees you now. You're Harry Potter. And you're the big hero. You're not going to get expelled. That's not the way the world works. If you were Neville Longbottom, sure, expelled. But oh. not Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely fair. Like, I get it from um, a weird breaking down the third, fourth wall kind of thing, you know, where you're, like, if he has an awareness of himself in a broader saga, including literarily, (laughs) and sure, it makes sense, but that's, he has always fought the notion that he is some someone special or unique or deserving of recognition he doesn't like it it makes him uncomfortable like he doesn't he's never really claimed that as his own so he's not going to be the one to be like you know it's kind of like you get pulled over and you're like hey i'm also a cop or i'm the congressman or you know he's not going to pull his harry potter card like he has that in sure. his back pocket he doesn't like to play uh-huh. it <laughs> um and, and, like, sure, he's done all these great things at school, but yet he's also gotten in trouble at school. Yeah. And they try and treat him normally. So, I don't, what, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just, like, stand there and be all proud? I'm Harry Potter, you can't do anything. <laughs> I, hey, I said that was the other half of me. There's, okay. there's one half that understands. Um, but while he's realizing that he has no idea what he's going to do, <laughs> he catches sight of something dark and lurking watching him, he thinks. Mm-hmm. Which we know who and what that is. It's the Grim, of course, right? <laughs> which, <No>. is really, <laughs> which is really black in his doggy form. <laughs> but... How does he know to be there? He's just well, has been watching him? I think he, he escapes and he comes to find Harry. Oh. So then he's like, oh, look, there's Harry. He's running away. <laughs> Let me follow him. Yes. Um, but luckily then the night bus appears. Yes. <laughs> the night bus. Which seems like a, a convenient, fun little... I don't know it's it's something unexpected yes it's a lovely detail i was trying to think i don't think it shows up again does it just um i think there's some secondhand references later on yeah but we're never really on it yeah again. but yeah it's pretty memorable Mm-hmm. well you have who but stan and stan and ernie mm-hmm. who are Quite the characters. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, but Harry calls himself Neville. Yeah, like he's an outlaw on the run. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what he thinks he is, is an outlaw. So he uses Neville's name, which maybe it's coincidence, but think who Neville, 
you know, Neville could have been the boy who lived. And he calls himself Neville. That's a stretch. I don't know. Maybe. Right? With the prophecy. Could have been either one of them. Running away from their muggle home. Chased by serious No, not that it could have been either one of them running. (laughs) That he would, for his false name, he would choose Neville. When him, he and Neville... You know, Neville could have been him, essentially, if yeah. Voldemort had decided that the prophecy applied to Neville. But then yeah. a weird thing I noticed this time was that the bus reappears where the bus originally was when Harry summoned him. So it doesn't continue yeah. down the road. It just magically teleports and then keeps I driving. Of, I have a lot of questions about the bus. <laughs> about the logistics? Yes. <laughs> These are always my questions. So... It drives crazy, right? And everything is... It bangs and pops when no one hears it, because, of course, muggles don't know how to look or listen. No. But I want to know if all the objects in the world are magically enchanted, so they know to jump out of the way. (laughs) Or... Or... If the bus has some really strong magical properties... Kind of like a projection force field. Yes, I think <laughs> that moves things. I think so. And then back. Well, that, so it just like bends space and time around it. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, it's like a wormhole or something. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's the bus. Or maybe it's not the buildings. Maybe it's the bus. It clearly says that the buildings move. Oh, the muggles don't feel that either. Idiots. No. But on the night bus. There's a newspaper article. And I love the ephemera of things like this. So I was going to read it. It's on page 37 of my book. It's called Black Still at Large. Sirius Black, possibly the most infamous prisoner ever to be held in Azkaban Fortress, is still eluding capture, the Ministry of Magic confirmed today. We are all doing all we can to recapture Black, said the Minister of Magic, Cornelius Fudge, this morning, and we beg the magical community to remain calm. Fudge has been criticized by some members of the International Federation of Warlocks for informing the Muggle Prime Minister of the crisis. Well, really, I had to, don't you know, said an irritable Fudge. Black is mad. He's a danger to anyone who crosses him, magic or Muggle. I have the Prime Minister's assurance that he will not breathe a word of Black's true identity to anyone. And let's face it, who'd believe him if he did? While Muggles have been told that Black is carrying a gun, a kind of metal wand that Muggles use to kill each other, the magical (laughs) community lives in fear of a massacre like that of 12 years ago when Black murdered 13 people with a single curse. Yeah. He sounds alarming. I mean, at this point, are we scared of him? I don't know that we're scared of him at this point because he's not he's not up in our plot yet, you know. Up in our plot. <laughs> he up in our business. Yeah, he doesn't have a connection to Harry yet. And his crime is in the past and we don't really yeah. know it. I mean, obviously we're going to since we're reading about this, we know we're going to deal with him later. But and then, you know, Stan was saying that Black laughed after he killed those 13 people. And that's what really freaked everyone out. And so I was trying to think, why is he laughing? I don't know. I thought about that too. (laughs) Is it just like because he knew that Peter got away? No, he didn't know until he saw Scabbers. Oh, that's right. I mean, I I, I guess you just have to explain it as, you know... This insane thing is happening, and you're just having a weird emotional react, like like laughing at funerals or something like that, which is not an uncommon thing. But it certainly is effective in making him seem not just like not just an evil dude who kills people, but deranged. Right. He's like the most. Well, they portray him as he's being so feared and crazy, but also like he was the one that was. Basically second in command, ready to take over for Voldemort. Really? Yeah, didn't we? Didn't we I don't know, that? did we? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. E- like in these chapters. I know, but everyone like knew that Black was... 
um, friends with members of the order. Oh, now I'm really confused. <laughs> it's okay. Dang it. I mean, who knows what stories they, you know, people ran with after the whole thing went down. But he was feared. He was because feared. He like he was... presumably killed 13 people and presumably sold out um, the, po- the potters. The potters. But no one thought he was a death eater? Well, I mean, it's probably, they probably, well, obviously they thought that afterwards, but I don't think he was like a known death eater or something beforehand because he wasn't a death eater. I swear. <laughs> I swear in these chapters, someone says he was like right up there. At least, you know, that's what people oh, think. Maybe, maybe that is what people think, but obviously he wasn't. And, and like a, we will learn in later books that he makes a big deal about not being like the rest of his family, right? He's not pretending to anybody. I did want to point out the fun fact that I found rummaging around the internet, mostly on Pottermore, about, so, you know, Fudge tells the Prime Minister about this, which... I'm not sure what they're expecting him to do, really. Um, But it says that the only way that uh, they communicate, like the magical world and, if need, to the current prime minister, is through a portrait in the prime minister's office of the original minister of magic. And so... All of us, so that's like, are they not briefed that like, hey, there's this secret magical community? Like, wait, that wait you're forgetting something. Office? This scene is portrayed what? in the later books. Yes, wh- where he's going oh to introduce. I think it's who is the minister then? Uh, he's going to introduce himself to the new prime minister. Oh, oh no! I thought that was so interesting, but now it just looks. <laughs> you don't you, you remember that scene now? Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah, it does vaguely. happen. But yeah. But still, like, all of us, like, is it all of a sudden it pops out like, oh gosh, it's just talking to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, I think in that chapter, the new prime minister feels uh, a little shaken up after that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, fine. We all knew that. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the prime minister, when he gets off the bus at Diagon Alley, because he's going to go get his money. Before he makes his run, right? <laughs> right, right. He runs straight into fudge. So my head is still thinking about how many places can you spend wizard money? <laughs> well, there's Diagon Alley and Nocturne Alley and Hogsmeade. I don't know how many wizarding villages there are. Because with other wizards, you'd have to find. I don't know. Anyway, so Cornelius Fudge is there. <laughs> And he is uh, very happy to see yes, Harry. Yes, not at all seeming concerned about Harry blowing up his aunt. No, just like, oh, we've uh, temporarily lost the most famous person in our world. Glad we got yeah. him back. He, well, he kind of tones that down, though. He tries to... Because pl- Fudge is really very, very concerned that Harry's gone because he's afraid that Black is after him. That would, that would look, really look bad. yes. I'm sure that is what he's thinking. Is this would look really bad? <laughs> but you know, he doesn't tell Harry that. No, no. It's just this whole times have changed. Yes, we don't send people deal. to Azkaban just for blowing up their ants. He says. Which, as Harry points out, not what you told <laughs> yes. me last year. <laughs> and two, like. As we've discussed, there's not really an intermediary, you know, tribunals. Like, it's, everything seems to be nothing or Azkaban so yes. far in what we know. It doesn't seem to be, is there like juvie? Like baby, baby dimensions? Juvie. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Yeah. No. Uh. And so we find out that obviously a memory charm has been done on Marge, but not on Vernon and Petunia, who will remember this forever. <laughs> well, yeah, and their reaction is always funny. I mean, one, they, so they obviously, as Fudge kind of says, 
you know, it took some convincing, but they're going to take you back in. Like, but they always do, which is kind of nice, you know. As much as they hate him actively, they still put up with him. Out of fear. Not always. You remember my last Petunia. (laughs) Yeah. Though, also, Vernon... Like, when Harry runs away, again, Vernon tries to stop him. And Pyro's just like, if you're angry, just let him go. What do you really think this yeah, kid's going to do? <laughs> let him struggle out there. Then uh, he does try to get Fudge to sign his permission slip. Also, I think, a good idea, since Fudge is feeling so agreeable <laughs> towards him. But it doesn't work out. It was, I, I like how quickly his mind was like, I'm going to be an outlaw, and he's making all these specific plans. The instant that is mysteriously switched, it's like, hmm, how do I get to the village on the weekend? <laughs> yeah, that is true. He makes a 180 pretty fast. And really, his summer makes a 180. He goes from being an outlaw with the Dursleys to, oh, I get to stay at the Leaky Cauldron for the last few weeks and just hang around Diagon Alley. Which Yes, it awesome. does sound awesome. And now having been to Diagon Alley, yes. sounds even better. You'd be eating ice cream every day. Uh, oh, yes, I would be. Yeah. Which is what Harry does. He knows what he's doing. So that's, that's the end of our chapters. Uh, and I wow. did want to talk a little bit about the article called The Night Bus on Pottermore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that it's for witches and wizards who are flu-sick. Or were apparitions unreliable, who hate heights, mm-hmm. who feel frightened or queasy taking port keys. Though, it doesn't seem like the night's bus is really a smooth <laughs> ride. That's true. Probably about make you feel queasy no matter what. But I like that it's there because apparition is hard. Uh, yeah. There's not always a fireplace. Broomsticks seem nope. really uncomfortable. Very true. <laughs> and who wants to fly on an undead horse? Not me. <laughs> oh, it is. And I sit here where it's kind of talking about, you know, JK sort of talks about, you know, they're doing this borrowing, right? They don't really like to do it, mm-hmm. but yet they do. You know, borrowing from the muggle world and, and just as night, you know, in the night, buses are a thing in London you know this is like that that transportation that swoops in and and, and yes and she you. says that it's called the night bus with a K because obviously night at night but because a knight comes to the rescue I was like oh look at that yeah. it's so <laughs> clever <laughs> uh, but of course there are some crazy pure, pure bloods who boycott the bus because you can't have anything associated with muggles. Well, that's just silly, and I think they're writing it anyway and not telling <laughs> anyone. I, I always associate purebloods with rich people. I wonder if that's actually true. Yes. Well, it's kind of portrayed that way, you know? Like, they're these old families with money and But the gaunts and... were poor as dirt, and that just made them hold on to their purebloodness that much more. Because they had that to lord above people, if nothing else. <laughs> that is that our one exception, is, though? That we're the one exception that we of? see. Although, we kind of just think they're rich because of the Malfoys. We don't really see the interior the, life of many other... The Blacks kind yeah. of were. You know, they have that. And Ron... Like in the last book when we were talking about some of these and Ron was talking about some of the the pure bloodness the he he phrased it in that way like old families with money kind yeah. of thing. People with money like to hate other people. Well it's this I mean like if you think about any like European royalty, like they're lineage and bloodlines are very important there and you're keeping that pure you're keeping that in the family you're keeping that wealth in the family those are like yeah i mean like 
mirrored settings, and that's a, a long tradition there. Yeah, they probably are mostly rich buttholes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, one final note is that um, the drivers are named after J.K.'s grandfathers, whose names were Ernest and Stanley. Were her grandfathers crazy? <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. Maybe. And she kills Stan Shunpike. So many people have to yes. die yet. None of them have really died yet. Oh my gosh. When, who's our first death? I think in four, right? Cedric. I think it's Cedric. And then oh. they just keep dying. Oh gosh, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> well, you don't. Ha- no one's gonna die this book. At least not that I, can- not that I remember. <laughs> You'll be surprised. <laughs> oh boy, we. You know, sometimes our knowledge, our our memory is surprisingly. Well, lacking. it's one of those things where like everything, or almost everything you read, you were like you remember it as you read, but it you, it yes. gets mixed up and turned around, and you know. All right. So, uh, join us next time, and we're going to forge on in book three, and we will be reading chapters three, four, and five. Uh, And we hope to see you there. You can follow us on Twitter at at WeirdSistersPod. Rate and review us on iTunes if you're a super nice person. Uh, (laughs) We're also available on Stitcher. And we'll see you next time. Bye.